0: It's just in, scientists discover prehistoric rock crawler at the bottom of La Brea Tar Pits. Stay tuned for the full report.
1: XJ Talk Show is on the air. Okay, it's a podcast. Oh, you know what I mean. Anyway, here's Tony and Josh.
2: Yes, we, here we are. This is episode 77 of the XJ Talk Show. I am uh, Tony, also known as Motor Oil on xjtalk.com. And my co host here is.
0: I'm Josh, otherwise known as NW99XJ or Northwest99XJ.
2: This flows off the tongue. It's a little bit, a little bit, to, a, little bit uh, a, a little bit, lot. That's not right. It would be a lot to write. So that's just why he goes by NW99XJ.
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly the fastest typer, so why not abbreviate?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Can you spell abbrevi- abbreviate? I never have learned how to spell that. I think it's just A-B-B-R. Yeah, there we go. Works for me. So anyway, well, this- we we got a great show tonight. We're going to be doing several things. Uh, we're going to do a little uh, chit-chat like we normally do, and uh, then we're going to be going into uh, this week in Jeep. Josh has some uh, interesting news about looking at the show notes We've got a couple of voicemails, uh, in from, uh, some of the, the show listeners, dare I say fans. And, uh, then we've got some, uh, uh this week is our Jeep tip segment, and that'll be followed up by a interview with, uh, Matt Glass from ARB.
0: That sounds awesome. One heck of a lineup, Tony.
2: I think so. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's, I guess it's like having a baby, you know, whenever you, you have that baby and, uh, you, you think it's the most beautiful wonderful baby in the world and uh there might be some people thinking it's the ugliest most hideous thing that's ever seen so i don't know where our show falls josh and <laughs> and, and you know i just had this this stunning realization i'm talking about having a baby with another man <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i can't think of a more perfect segue thing to uh roll right into a big congratulations to one of our listeners dare i say fan and member of xjtalk.com jensen who uh Has got a new addition to the family. Congratulations, uh, Jensen, on your brand new daughter, Eva Elise. Looks like she was born uh, yesterday after an emergency C section, uh, but came in at a bouncing 7.1 pounds and 19 and a half inches long. Sounds nice and healthy. Glad both baby and mommy are doing just fine.
2: Yep, that's a a nice, healthy weight and uh, length. So, uh, yeah, that's great. And uh, I'm almost positive, almost positive. That this is their first child. Well, I'm
0: disappointed that he didn't name her Cherokee
2: <laughs> or XJ Talk. Come on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I did respond back after he posted the picture uh, on XJTalk.com, which, if you guys are are interested, any 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 of you men that have had children, I think would be interested in uh, uh, having a look at the uh, the new baby. It's always, uh, no matter. You don't care so much what they look like as that they've—they're just okay. Their color is right. Two eyes, nose, and then of course you're as a, a new dad, you're always counting fingers and toes because you want to make sure that they're all there, and there's no webbing between the toes. Uh, <laughs> even though that would be a better swimmer. But uh, so yeah, you, you just uh, jump on over to xjtalk.com. You can uh, look at that post. Uh, I think it says something about peanut. Like there's a, the peanuts in or the peanut came in. And uh, I guess they're referring to the ultrasound uh, photographs from uh, months yeah. ago.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations once again, Jensen. Glad everything uh, came out okay.
2: <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I started to make that joke and I said, nah, it's too obvious. I, I went ahead and went No, across. no, I mean on the post. I started to put the, put on there, you know, what is the mother and daughters are fine. I, said, glad, I started to put on there, glad everything came out okay. But I figured it was going to be on there like 10 or 20 times. And I might get a groan or two.
0: Well, hey, speaking of things uh, turning out okay, uh, received a little bit of bad news earlier this week. Um, as many of you may know, and uh, those who don't, I'm also a member of NAXJA, the North American XJ Association. And uh, our, a member here in our Northwest chapter was involved in a pretty nasty quad accident earlier this week, received skull fracture, uh, multiple facial fractures, multiple leg fractures, including a fractured femur, a torn artery, uh, he was on a breathing tube. There was blood be- between his skull and brain. He was life flighted to the OHSU, Oregon Health Sciences University to look at the head trauma because it was that serious. He was subsequently in uh, surgery for over eight hours Friday night and uh, managed to pull through. Um, and he is now breathing on his own and talking as of this morning. So, uh, And that was Keith, uh, a.k.a. Mopar 440, who I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting. And uh, he was an, uh, an integral part of our um, surveying and and uh, and scouting and flagging and marking run um, for our adopted trail. We are rebuilding up in the Tillamook State Forest. Uh, he was part of our work crew last summer. In fact, he's one of the only other members um, out of our entire chapter that volunteered his time. He drove nearly two hours just to come up. And, uh, and actually, it was two hours to the Portland metro area and then another hour and a half up to the mountain and, uh, to just a volunteer's time to, to walk up the hillside and, and walk up the mountainside, uh, flagging and, and spray painting and stuff like that. Uh, we couldn't have, have had the progress done on that trail without him. Um, big thanks to Keith and Keith, buddy, if you're listening, really glad you pulled through and glad you made it get well soon.
2: Yeah. Sorry to hear about that. Was there any details on the accident? That sounds like a hell of an accident.
0: Yeah, um, they're filtering in. His wife was pretty shaken up and, and we're receiving a lot of this information sort of third hand as it's coming in from his wife because uh, she basically has not left his side. So there's been a, a couple of small updates uh, via Facebook and, uh, and obviously through next uh, on the uh, Northwest Chapter forum page. So it, it's just sort of filtering in. I don't that's about all that I know. I don't know if there was another writer that was involved. Um, whether he hit a stationary object, whether there was a bike malfunction, um, if there was some sort of other medical, um, you know, something that went on, you know, I I don't know. Um, but I mean, the injuries were pretty severe and, uh, I mean, enough to be life flighted.
2: It sounded horrific. That's why I just think, I mean, I know you can do stupid things on anything or in anything and, uh, and and you don't, and when I say stupid things, I mean, it's, it may uh, it may be stupid, or it just may wind up being how 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 in the world could that happen? That was just stupid. It happened that way. So yeah, I mean, not not pointing any fingers, but uh, uh, I just with that bad of an injury, it just sounds like somebody was really doing something like jumping a house or something. You know, well,
0: he's uh, he's long in the tooth a little bit, so uh, you know he's he doesn't have that that invincible twenty year old uh, concept. You know, he's he's uh, he's up there in years. So this was something that probably was out of the blue. Uh, he seemed like a guy that, that had a really um, level head on his shoulders. So I can't imagine that he was out there, you know, three sheets to the wind doing wheelies at, you know, 70 miles an hour or something like that. It doesn't sound like him. So uh, there was probably something else involved, uh, something else going on. Maybe a throttle got stuck open or something like that. He lost control. You know, I, I don't know. It's just right. speculation at this point.
2: Well, well I'm sure. Irregardless, thoughts and prayers.
0: Oh, Absolutely. I'll have more details probably by next week, and and we'll touch bases back on Keith and see how he's doing next week. Well, guys, uh, here, a little update for you on my, uh, well, what Tony has been calling a 58 ton steering upgrade to my 56, 56. I'm sorry, didn't mean to (laughs) exaggerate there, (laughs) adding in tons, (laughs) yeah, the tonnage. Well, I am definitely adding some tonnage to the Jeep as I've been, um, working for, for weeks and weeks on a, uh, on a one ton steering upgrade doing over the knuckle inverted T system. Uh, JCR's one-ton bars, it's quarter-inch walled, um, one-and-a-quarter outside diameter, drawn-over mandrel tubing, Um, GM one-ton tie rod ends, threw in a Durango steering box, a C-Rock inner brace, uh, and the list goes on. Um, Last week, I I announced that um, although everything is for the most part in, I cannot put my wheels and tires back on as they, um, once are fully locked down, interfere with the tie rod end itself. So I was doing a little bit of math and um, bringing you guys up to speed. I have i um, I'm running the ravine, the 15 by eight Jeep ravines uh, commonly found on the TJs uh, and I'm running inch and a quarter hub centric wheel spacers. Now those have worked great uh, up until now, but uh, the, the ravines are a five and a half inch offset out of the factory. And with those inch and a quarters, well, that puts me, you know, at, uh, oh geez, what's the math there? I, anyways, I'm, I'm four,
2: four inch backspace,
0: four inch backspace. So I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not in the ideal range uh, to clear those tie rod ends. So, uh, three and three quarter inch new wheel, new wheel backs, uh, three and three quarter inch wheel backspacing for some new wheels are in my very near future. Uh, but it's what I, what I'm going to get. I have a black Jeep, so Black steelies, you know, it doesn't really ring very sexy to me. I don't, you know, I don't know. Too much black. Um, I've toyed around with the idea of the Krager V5s. They're not very, um, not very common. I think uh, one of our members, in fact, uh, Steve, 4.3 LXJ is running a set of those, uh, which I didn't know until after I'd already posted up that I've been thinking about it. Uh, but the problem is, is that Crager has discontinued the silver versions of those, and they only offer them in black now. So without, you know, dumping, you know, $150, $200 on each rim and going with something, you know, out of this world, uh, you know, I'm back to the black D windows or the soft eight style or something like that. I've been toying around with the idea of like the, um, the, the faux beadlock style uh, you know just because they are a little bit more rugged they do offer a little bit more support to the rim uh, even though they're not a true beadlock so I don't know I'm, 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 I'm up in the air I do have a, uh, a post up in my build thread that has all of the pictures of the entire progress so far it's a lot of reading because I think there's about uh, three or four uh, sections of pictures um, I'm very pick heavy when it comes to my documentation of my build
2: Oh, it was, it's a good thread, very detailed, lots of pictures. Uh, honestly, I've only just looked at the pictures and, and scanned through some of the text so far. Uh, real quick, back on the, <clears throat> what was the backspace on the uh, on the, the wheels that you have now?
0: The ravines are a factory five and a half inch backspacing.
2: And then you have an inch and a, a half spacer. Inch and a quarter. Inch and a quarter. So, so, so that would be um, four and then a quarter inch. So you're like, what'd you say? Three and three quarters.
0: I'm at four and a quarter right now with what I have, but I'm going to go with a three and three quarters. Uh, The reason why is three and three quarters is a very popular backspacing in the 15 by eight wheel range. So there's a lot more options open to me uh, with a three and three quarter inch backspacing. So I I could probably get away with four inches, honestly. um, But there's, there's a lot less choices. And uh, so I'm, I'm pretty much locked into that, um, the soft eight or the, or the, you know, the D window style, uh, steel wheels. I, I,
2: I think st- I'm about 99% sure that my 15 by 10s are, uh, 3.75 uh, inch backspace. So now that sounds I'll, about right.
0: If I wanted to step into the 10 inch wide, which honestly, there's really nothing wrong with 10 inch wide wheels. Um, I just look at that extra two inches as, I don't really need them unless I'm going to be running 13 and a half inch wide tires, which I have no plans on doing. Um, The eight inch wide, it's obviously going to be a little bit lighter of a wheel than the 10 inch wide. So again, you know, that's a little bit less unsprung weight um, and that's just going to help as far as performance goes. So um, in any case, uh, that's what I'm looking for. If you guys want to give me some suggestions, I'd be more than happy to entertain uh, some advice, uh, just head over to my build thread on xjtalk.com. You can find it on, as uh, under NW99XJ. Just look for me. You'll find my build thread.
2: Well, have you considered just painting the, uh, the black ones the color you like?
0: No, I've thought about that. I was like, yeah, okay, I could spend the time and, and blast them or strip them and um, and then take them and have them powder-coated or go through you know the process of painting them myself. I'm not sure how, how long that would last, how good it would end up turning out. Um, you know, and it would end up being a, still a pretty penny as far as, you know, paint and supplies, you know, etching primer, um, you know, paint on top of that, it's going to have to be rattle can. I, I don't have access to my own spray booth. So I don't even have an air compressor at this point in time. Um, other than a little portable one I used to air up with, but, uh, you know, the, the thought has crossed my mind. Um, I just finding something and, and then outsourcing them, having them painted. Uh, but, you know, I'd would, I'd would rather spend that money on some new rubber because I'm I'm in need of rubber. Um, the 33 1250s that I have right now are about down to 15% tread, so they're I'm going to sell sell what I have, the ravines and the 33 1250s as a set of rollers. Um, they're good enough to get somebody through the summer, and um, and I'll call it good.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking rattle can myself. Wouldn't be that difficult to mar the surface and get it to stick. But uh, oh yeah, no, I I mean. Another thing you could consider, uh, you may not like the look, but uh, the uh, plastic coat uh, bed liner, uh, it's black, but you could uh, put the plastic coat on it and then uh, put some uh, color on top of it.
0: You know, I've, I've thought about that too. I've been seeing a lot, um, a big trend lately of, of people plastic coating those wheels. And i the jury's still out a little bit, at least as far as I'm concerned, as to the, um, the durability of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there, here in the Pacific Northwest, we, we have a lot of soft terrain. Um, we don't often see a lot of dry rock, so it's going to see some mud. Those wheels are going to be spinning in in dirt and uh, and uh, and up against the rocks and stuff like that. You know, I'm I'm I would rather trust a a factory powder coat or factory applied paint from the wheel manufacturer over whatever I could apply.
2: Well, to each his own. I mean, uh, when I think of steel wheels, I don't think of anything that's uh, um, that I would be overly concerned about paint. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about other aspects of it. I just never have really considered uh, uh, the, the wheel uh, aspect of it, you know, being that critical. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly uh, gives to the overall aesthetics of the vehicle. And if that looks like it's not been very... Well thought through or cared about, it uh, can, uh, I guess, make the rest of the, the vehicle look the same way.
0: I know you're absolutely right, and and at this point, I'm I'm more over fun, uh, function over form. Uh, so it's it's got to work more than it's got to look
2: good. <laughs> It'd be nice just to be able to drive the Jeep again. I understand. <laughs> Easier down the driveway, you know. Yeah.
0: XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off road.
1: We here at the XJ Talk Show really appreciate you listening to our podcast. If you enjoy the show, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's so easy. Just tell them to go to XJTalkShow.com.
0: Hey, good evening. This is Mike Corey, Amateur Radio Call Sign, KI1U. I am the Emergency Preparedness Manager at the American Radio Relay League in Newington, Connecticut, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. First week in Jeep. Oh, all kinds of stuff going on this week in Jeep, guys. Uh, We're going to start off uh, just a little bit sidestepping Jeep and we're going to talk about Dodge. But uh, trust me, I'm going to get back to Jeep, so hang tight. Uh, Dodge has lost a lot of vehicles over the last few years. Gone is their whole line of trucks. Uh, As you know, Dodge doesn't make trucks anymore. It's Ram that is making trucks. Now, sure, you can say it's still a Mopar vehicle, and it's under that sort of umbrella. True. Uh, But, you know, Dodge has also um, lost the Viper. The Grand Caravan's future is very uncertain at this point. Dodge has lost the Caliber out uh, to the Dart. Uh, The Dart has replaced the Caliber. Nitro's gone, and the Avenger is on its last year. Uh, so you know, if the if the Do- if the Grand Caravan goes away, Dodge is going to be essentially a car-only vehicle manufacturer, which is interesting uh, because they they have announced that in 2015 and in, then again in 2016 they are going to release an all-new vehicle. Now, speculators are you know only speculating uh, what those are going to be, uh, but it's interesting because another rumor has said. That the last remaining truck-like vehicle that Dodge has, the Durango, may be cast aside in 2014, making way for, get this, a Grand Wagoneer. Now, which is weird because the Wagoneer, and all you waggy lovers out there are probably just getting up in your seat and throwing your headphones across the room, but the Grand Wagoneer is obviously a Jeep product. Now, whether or not it's going to be then transferred over over to Dodge is uncertain at this point, but uh, the sound, the rumors are right now that the Durango is on its last year and that it possibly is going to get replaced in 2014 with a Grand Wagoneer. So we're going to have to really uh, follow this story and uh, and see how that develops. In other Jeep news, uh, we are getting closer to production of uh, Jeep-making vehicles in China. Jeep has well been, been well-known in China since 1979 because they were the first U.S. automaker there to sell vehicles. Uh, currently, there is about 150 Jeep dealerships in China. And uh, by the end of the year, Jeep is looking to increase that up to 200, so additional 50 dealerships in China. Um, with the release of the Cherokee there, the new Cherokee, in, um, in September... Uh, They are looking to boost the overall sales, uh, the uh, overall SUV sales from 15% of entire vehicle sales market in China to 20%. Well, that's a huge increase when you're talking about the effect of just one vehicle on the overall vehicle sales in an entire country. So um, apparently China is really excited about the Jeep Cherokee and of course um, it being made over there. Now, again... Jeep is only going to add production. They're not going to replace any any U.S. production. It's just going to be an additional production for the Chinese market only um, in China. So no U.S. jobs are going to be lost and no U.S. production is going to be sacrificed. This is going to be completely supplemental to Jeep's current production. For those of you over on the east side of the nation and down south a little bit, you might have seen a massive amount of Jeeps heading towards Florida. Today, actually the last five days, the annual Jeep Beach event, which is on its, um, actually this is the 10-year anniversary of the event, uh, is a five-day event. Uh, Today being the last day, uh, Jeeps from all over the world, uh, clear from Alaska and Puerto Rico, um, have been flocking over uh, to Florida. To um, Well, the event really sparked off Saturday when uh, thousands of Jeeps rolled into the Daytona International Speedway for a a massive show and shine. And I guess there in the uh, the center of the racetrack, they set up a huge obstacle course for Jeep owners to try their luck on. It was definitely a huge event. And uh, early this morning, starting at 7 a.m., Jeeps from all over the world started rolling into Florida and rolling down to Daytona Beach where they lined up three vehicles wide and it went hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet long. Um, The actual report of how many people were there uh, is going to be released tomorrow. Uh, But last year, the event raised over $30,000 for the blue ribbon coalition. Um, The blue ribbon coalition supports land use uh, for us off roaders, making sure that we have access to, um, to our off road parks and to public land and stuff like that. So, if you guys are wondering why all the Jeeps were in Florida, it's because of the 10th annual Jeep Beach event. Next year, try and make it out if you're out that way.
1: How would you like to be a guest on the XJ Talk Show? Do you have an interesting story about your Jeep? Maybe an off-road adventure? Perhaps you're a vendor and want to get the word out about your great products. Send us an email to interviews at xjtalk.com or call and leave a voice or text message at 530-675-4102. 530 675 4102. We look forward to hearing from you.
3: This is Rory Descharton of our Design Products and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show.
0: I know you've heard us talk about Amazon on the podcast before but if you heard about our new game? You bought what? It's a lot of fun and we want you guys to play along. All you have to do is go to xjtalk.com or xjtalkshow.com and click on the Amazon banner there on the main page. This takes you right to Amazon, where you can buy any crazy little thingamajig to join in on the fun. Amazon gives us a list every week of what you guys are buying, but we don't get to know who it is that's buying it. As an added bonus, you get the same great price you always would, and Amazon is going to give the show a small pittance for you playing along. So let's all have some fun. The XJ Talk Show and Amazon.com.
2: Hey, this is Tony.
0: And this is Josh from the XJ Talk Show. We want to thank you for calling our 24-7 voice line.
2: Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll
0: take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at The Beep. Hey,
3: this is Vicki G, and uh, I've
2: got a great idea for Jeep tips. Uh, I'm constantly locking my keys in my car. I was wondering if you guys can go over a quick and easy way to retrieve
1: the keys out of your car. I'm kind of in a bind right now. I'm at the Walmart, and, yeah, I locked my keys in the Jeep again. And uh I got to think
2: of something fairly quick because it's starting to rain, and I left the windows down. When the seats get wet, they smell like wet dog. All right, well, thanks
3: a lot. I'll chat at you later. What's up, girls?
1: Izzy are hanging
3: out. Just thinking about you bitches and your fucking walking dead. <laughs> uh, man, what am I doing to you guys?
2: Hope y'all caught the marathon. But anyway, I'll talk a minute. So,
3: Denver D1 again. Just want to tell y'all, it's not really, It's. I mean, I wouldn't mind getting on the podcast with hundred Joe. easy. get up. There. But, uh,
1: <laughs> I don't have to be just that I'm
3: pissed off about. I mean, let's talk about jeez, Let's talk about shit, anything. I mean, I don't, I'm not always pissed off. Y'all put me in a, like, in a pissed off persona. I mean, that's fine. I get pissed off a lot. But I wouldn't mind uh, getting on there and talking with you. All. So I'm going to have
2: something later. <laughs> well, if you didn't catch it, that was uh, voicemails left by. Uh... Nikki G and Denver D1. The first one was Nikki G. The, the last two were from uh, Denver D1. And uh, I don't know. We talked about this before the show, Josh. You said, does that mean that uh, Denver D1 wants to be interviewed? And I don't know if he wants to be interviewed or just kind of hang out, maybe in chat.
0: Well, I, I thought he did hang out in chat. Uh, I, I've been un- unable to participate here the last couple few episodes. But, uh, I mean, geez, we'd love to have him on the show. Uh, I think he'd make a great interview. Yep. Um, have to have to reach out and uh, and see if we can't uh, schedule out a time to get a little bit of mic time with Denver D1
2: and of course what I meant when I said to hang it out and chat I don't mean uh, the chat room for the uh, live audience that we have uh, during the show I mean just be on the uh, the podcast with us and be on the phone and just gonna chat be one of the the, the third person in the uh, the pre-show or the uh, um, the beginning show chat so that's uh, uh, I don't know. Either one would be fine with me. He's uh, he's hilarious.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. And speaking of hilarity, Nikki G on point again, brother. Thanks for the awesome voicemail. That F, uh, definitely had me laughing. So, uh, hey, real quick tip: uh, if you do lock your jeep and uh, you do lock your jeep in your keys, you do lock your keys in your jeep. <laughs> Uh, next time you do that, um, Nikki, all you got to do is, uh, go ahead and reach through that window that's already rolled down. That'll take care of that real easy. And there's a Jeep tip for you. You take that one to the bank. And folks, if you'd like to get in on the voicemail fund, please give our 24 seven voicemail line a call at 530-675-4102. It's a number that can also receive text messages, but we'd love to hear from you in person. So please give us a call.
2: Yep. And, uh, we, uh, we do like to get Jeep tips, uh, as well as interview if you're interested in being on the show or if you uh, have a suggestion for somebody to interview on the show, like perhaps you have uh, told them about us and all we need to do is contact them, you can uh, send the Jeep tips to jeeptips at xjtalk.com or uh, interview uh, at xjtalk.com for the uh, interview request or suggestion. I think you have one for electrical and audio too, don't you, uh, Josh?
0: Uh, yeah. In fact, uh, it uh, serves two purposes. If, folks, if you'd like to give us a news tip for our segment This Week in Jeep, or if you do have a tip for electrical and audio tips, send it to news tips N-E-W-S-T-I-P-S, at xjtalk.com. Just make sure you put there in the subject line what you're talking about, and we'll make sure we get it on the air.
2: So uh, for the rest of the show, we've got uh, a Jeep tip segment with uh, Tim of Brown Dog Off-Road. He's going to be talking about changing motor mounts, strangely enough.
0: Well, ever since you, uh, you gave, uh, gave the notice to everybody that Tim was going to start helping us out with some of those Jeep tips, I've been looking forward to this. So I can't wait to hear this, and I hope you guys are anxious too.
2: And uh, right after our Jeep tip segment, we have uh, our interview. And this week, it's going to be with Matt Glass of ARB. Uh, you'll hear in the interview, but basically Matt was with ARB for four years in the technical service arena, uh, on the phone helping out with uh, all manners and makes of uh, vehicles that uh, ARB uh, sells uh, product for, and uh, he has recently recently rejoined them in a marketing role, and that's why he got tapped to be uh, <laughs> to be on our podcast because I was asking for. Uh, I was asking for somebody over there to give me an interview, and they went, "Oh yeah, we got this new guy coming in." And oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I found it to be a very interesting interview. Uh, as uh, many of you know, I have a uh, an ARB air locker uh, waiting to be installed. So I made uh, uh, quite convenient use of the interview to ask questions about my uh, my locker, <laughs> and hopefully that will be good information for the rest of you. Very fortuitous. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what that means, Josh, but if it's good, yes.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: <laughs> so, uh, I think we'll be hearing, uh, hearing from Matt, uh, in the future, uh, as well, which is good. Oh, and, uh, I will mention, uh, Matt, uh, had a, uh, 96, uh, Jeep Cherokee and had all the ARB stuff hanging off of it. And, oh my. uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately he no longer has that. Uh, I won't spoil it. I'll let you hear it on the interview, but, uh, it, uh. It, it it was something he sold, and he's he see he sees it driving around from time to time, but it's got
0: to be painful. Oh, jeez. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, live and learn. I told him that. Uh, I always tell everybody that is you know selling their their beloved Jeep Cherokee, you're going to be sorry. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, it's right, it's right. So let that be a lesson to you. I know life happens, and we have to do what we have to do, but. So anyway, that's, that's coming up on the show. And uh, well, Josh, I think that's, uh, I think we, we need to get to it. Yes, sir. And let's move right along.
1: Do you have a question or comment that you'd like to hear on the show? Just call 530-675-4102 any time of the day or night and leave it on our voicemail. The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating.
2: This is Richard goatman Gautier with Team Nashcha of Petty Cash Racing, racing the 4643 Jeep Cherokee and Ultra 4, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Tonight's Jeep Tip is with uh, Tim Scheidler of Brown Dog Off-Road. You know, the guys that make the wonderful motor mounts. Tim, thanks for uh, joining us on this uh, first uh, Jeep Tip segment that uh, you're going to be giving us.
4: Well, thanks for having me, Tony. I appreciate being here.
2: So tell me, what do you got for us? I
4: thought we would go through the general procedure of changing motor mounts tonight. Uh, Of course, we get people who call all the time since that's the product we sell, but it's kind of helpful if you have an overview of what the procedure is like before you get started on it. Well, the first thing that you're going to consider, and I'm assuming that you bought your motor mounts and you have them in hand and you're all excited because you're going to do this now. The first thing that you're going to have to do is figure out how to jack up the engine because that's part of the process. And if you've been on some of the forums or talked to some of your buddies or whatever, you've been given all kinds of advice, and they have all kinds of opinions, and I have one too. The first thing I would advise against is against the use of an engine hoist or an engine crane, as you may call it. I do it always with a floor jack because I feel it affords you better control over the engine. And you have to make some fine adjustments to the height of the engine during this procedure sometimes and it works a lot better besides that the floor the the engine hoist is just so big and bulky that you're going to probably trip over it or hit your head on it and you don't need any of that the second thing about jacking is where do you jack when you're going to do this when you're going to change motor mounts or anything like that for that matter where are you going to jack some people will tell you to jack on the bell housing of the transmission And I'm opposed to that because it's a cast piece, and it can break. So it's something I stay away from. I'm going to tell you that I jack on the oil pan. Now, don't get excited. He jacks on the oil pan. It's going to cave in. I have a piece of a 2x12 that I use for this purpose. It's uh, a piece that's just big enough to cover the entire base of the oil pan so that all of the energy from jacking is distributed to the perimeter of the pan. And it works great. Not everybody has one of those. You might have a piece of half-inch plywood or three-quarter-inch plywood, or you might have something like that. You even may have a few two-by-fours that you can cobble together and make something. One thing somebody told me, and this was a customer, and I thought, wow, what a good idea. He lives in a community that has a thick Yellow Pages phone book. And I, I live in the Phoenix area, so we have the same thing. And he used it to soften the blow so to speak on the oil pan and I tried it just to see how it worked and I don't think it's a bad idea at all if that's what you got go with it <clears throat> the second thing that happens uh, when you uh that you're, when you're ready to change the motor mount is that you need to loosen the nuts that hold the transmission mount to the skid plate if you get under there and act just the cross member when you get under there there will either be two or four studs that come down from the transmission mount to the cross member. And you need to loosen the nuts that hold those studs tight to the cross member. Why are you doing that? You're doing it because the transmission mount can be damaged in changing of motor mounts if you jack up the engine and put stress on it. So what you're doing is loosening those nuts and you can loosen them all the way to the end of the stud if you want. You loosen those so that the, the uh, the transmission mount can just go wherever it has to go vertically. <clears throat> then the next thing is it's time to change the mounts. You get your jack under your, your oil pan with uh, some protective piece in between the jack and the oil pan, and then you get ready to take the mounts out. You, the first thing you'll want to probably do, and I do these one side at a time by the way, don't. Don't take the mounts off of both sides at the same time. It just makes the engine unwieldy, and it's a pain to get it all back together. I usually start with the driver's side, and uh, you'll you'll take the nut off of the motor mount stud, and you do that from underneath, and then you'll take the bolt out of the motor mount, and that you are doing from the top. These are the two points where the motor mount attaches to the, the uh the perch on the body the next thing you got to do is get the through bolt out that bolt goes through the engine bracket and motor mount and one of the things that you're likely to find is that the bolt goes through the bracket and motor mount from front to back of the car when you go to take it out it's either going to hit your alternator or your air conditioning compressor or something A lot of people decide at that point that they have to either remove their alternator or whatever it is that's in the way. And it's just not true. The engine bracket that goes from the engine to the motor mount is only held onto the engine with three bolts. And it's easier if you just remove those bolts and take the engine bracket motor mount assembly out at the same time. And you can do it from the bottom. It's easier usually for these things to go in and out from the bottom, not over the top particularly when you get to the driver's or the passenger side where there isn't that much space. So you get to that point, you get everything out as an assembly and then you can loosen the the uh, nut off of the through bolt, take that through bolt out and you might as well take your new motor mount and stick it right in that uh engine bracket while you have it out and see if you're going to be able to tuck it back up in there if that's going to work usually the reason this is good is because you have to do a minimum of jacking on the engine if you use this procedure. If you take the motor mount out by itself and leave the engine bracket in, uh, usually you're going to have to jack the engine up a lot higher in order to get the motor mount in and make it all work out. So in my experience, if you can put them together and put them in as a unit, it works great. From that point, you're pretty much reversing the procedures that you started, so you tighten down the bracket, put it back on, tighten it down. The bracket bolts are tightened to 40 foot-pounds, and the motor mounts are—it depends on the motor mount, so I'm not going to really give you a specific um, torque number there. And once you get to the through bolt and the, the nut, the nut is a, a prevailing torque lock nut, So there really isn't a torque spec for it, especially after it's been used one or two times. It's hard to nail it down, but the whole point of the prevailing torque nut is that it stays where you put it, and there will be different directions for different motor mounts as to how tight you get that. Once you get both sides of that done, the last thing you've got to remember is that you did loosen the studs, the nuts on the studs of that transmission mount, and those have to be tightened back up before you put it all together, get it off the jack, and be on your way. What did I miss, Tony?
2: Well, let's see. Uh, you have to protect the yellow paint on those beautiful motor mounts from Brown Dog. <laughs> well, well,
4: yeah, you you could do that.
2: <laughs> uh, tell you what, every time I look under the hood, I see that uh, the yellow from uh, from there and the, the nice uh, USA flag. No, it sounded like you covered it all with, to me, Tim. You know, you you sound like a man that knows what he's doing.
4: Well, uh, I, I guess I, I have a lot of experience doing that same description over the phone with customers, which we welcome. Anytime a customer purchases our product, they're always welcome to call us at any time and talk to us about installation questions. So I've had some practice at it. I can't think of anything I missed, um, but I'm sure a customer will, and they will, uh, they will let me know.
2: Well, let me ask you, I was always <laughs> curious about this. You mentioned torque specs. Uh, about the only thing that I actually torque on a Jeep is, uh, the, the lug nuts holding the wheels on and, uh, something inside the engine or, uh, is torquing those bolts really that critical?
4: Torquing the bolts on the engine brackets, I think is a good idea because we have discussed, uh, you and I have discussed before. And if anybody has listened to your, your, uh, XJ talk show, you'll know that, uh, That is kind of a weak point on the Jeep. And on the Cherokee, the passenger side bracket tends to shear those bolts off. So it's nice to have them at the right torque so you have every opportunity for them to stay on like they're supposed to and for the bolts to perform as
2: they should. Well, good point. I'm I'm glad I asked that.
4: I might also remind everybody out there that the Motor Mounts Brown Dog makes for the Cherokee were specifically designed for the Cherokee. It's not like a fits all that is meant for a Wrangler, but you guys get it too. Over the years, we found some things that don't necessarily work so well on the Cherokee if you just make one. So we have refined them out and have a dedicated Cherokee product so that it goes in. You don't have to trim any bushings. You don't have to do anything. It works the first time.
2: Excellent. Well, Tim, thanks a lot for uh, this week's Jeep Tip.
4: Thanks for having me on, Tony. I am, I'm happy to be here.
1: XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road. This is Big Jim 350,
2: and I f***ing love XJTalk.com.
1: Hey, you. Yeah, you. The one just sitting there listening to the XJ Talk Show. Why aren't you a part of it? What? Tell me more, you say? Well, it's pretty simple. You can become an XJ Talk Show reporter. All you need is a smartphone and the ability to talk to people. Just email reporter at XJTalk.com for more information.
0: Hi, this is Josh Northwest 99XJ from Electrical and Audio Tips, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show.
1: XJTalk.com is where you go when you're not off road, and now you can go to XJTalk.com when you're off road too. Using your smartphone, install the Tapa Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go: jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even. Well, anywhere you need your XJ talk fix.
2: Hey guys, tonight we're talking with Matt uh, Glass of uh, ARBUSA. USA. Uh, Matt Glass has been a uh, uh, in the technical arena at ARBUSA for a number of years, and he has recently become a marketing specialist. Welcome to the show, Matt.
3: Uh, glad to be here. Uh, really happy to uh, to be. Uh, back with ARB now, and then uh, to be able to to come on the podcast and talk about Cherokees and ARB together.
2: Now, uh, I don't know where A- ARB USA is located. I guess that's where you're located. at. So mm-hmm. what part of the country are you in? Uh,
3: we are uh, based in Seattle, Washington. Uh, so uh, our U.S. office here handles everything for North and South America. Uh, the you know, ARB Australia, which handles pretty much the rest of the world, and, and uh, mainly in Australia, is out of uh, Melbourne.
2: And I think everybody knows but ARB is an Australian company.
3: Mhm. Absolutely, yeah. It uh started from uh someone creating bumpers in their garage uh in Melbourne at the uh seeing the need for additional protection for their vehicles.
2: So, uh how long have you you've only been with uh, ARB a short period of time, but how long were you with them before?
3: Uh I was uh, in the technical uh department for about uh 4 years. Um and then uh just back now for, for about two weeks so far. Uh, in the meantime, I actually stayed within the off-road community by, uh, managing a nonprofit out of Colorado that was doing a uh, trail maintenance.
2: Okay. Great. So, um, the, uh, from a technical standpoint, you did all, I would, I would assume all kinds of the ARB products. You weren't focusing specifically on Jeeps or anything.
3: No, no, that was one of the, uh, the more interesting aspects of working in the tech department was the fact that uh, any email or phone call could be ranging from uh, Land Rovers to, you know, the, the unusual Samurais and Suzuki's to, to the commonplace Jeep, the Cherokee, the X, you know, the the JK, anything along those lines. And then uh, products going from the Old Man Emu suspension line to the air lockers, to the bumpers, to the lighting, everything. Uh, you never knew what was coming down the pipeline.
2: Well, that had been really interesting. Did you, um, uh, well, I guess you got, uh, got things from all over, but, uh, w- would you say you got more Jeep calls than uh, others or Toyota or it just, you just had no idea?
3: Yeah, it would be, a, I'd say mainly a Jeep and Toyota, um, uh, as, as we have more, um, you know, Jeep has a, such a larger market share of, of the off-road industry, uh, here in the States than than pretty much anybody else does. Um, some more hardcore questions from the jeep side uh, a lot of uh, there's also a lot of toyotas out there you know that's kind of our uh, the airb uh, product line is dedicated towards those vehicles that people daily drive and then take out on trails at the same time uh, so uh, you know your, your land cruisers your four runners uh, tacomas along with your cherokees uh, grand cherokees things like that you never knew somebody could have something with a locker with suspension uh, and then sometimes you even get the the Wranglers with the hardcore questions uh, as well.
2: So uh, between the Toyota and the Jeeps, the as far as the airlockers go, are they basically the same animal? Uh, you have the same issues, the same type of, uh, I don't know, I really don't know anything about the Toyotas and I barely know anything about the Jeeps. <laughs>
3: gotcha uh very similar product you know the the airlocker uh, has gone through a couple different generations uh, of of engineering so the newest one uh, like we were talking about earlier the the rd100s the RD, uh 105s the things for the the dana axles that the jeep uses uh, were recently reevaluated in the early 2000s uh, the same process the same engineering uh, has gone into the air lockers across the board so the Toyotas use Uh, the actual differential locking unit itself is, is very similar, uh, to what the Jeeps take, but everything is designed for each individual axle style. Uh, so, you know, what you have in your eight inch Toyota axle is, you know, looks similar to what is in, you know, your Dana 44 axle, but the dimensions are going to be slightly different. The internal technology though, uh, is going to be the same across the board.
2: Well, I guess that's good, especially from Mm -hmm. a technical aspect.
3: Mm -hmm. manufacturing and technical yeah absolutely you know then uh the install of the locker itself can can vary uh though you know with the the dana uh style axles you have the diff cover that you take off you have your uh, bearing caps and then spreading the axle uh, is required to get that install fit right with using uh shims to adjust the the placement of the locker within the differential housing on a Toyota, you have the third member that comes out. So instead of having a diff cover in place, you basically unbolt your drive line on one end, and and the the third member comes out physically out of the axle, and you're able to do the complete setup of your ring and pinion and your locker all on a bench uh, without having to necessarily be underneath the axle. And they use uh, what are called adjuster nuts that are on a threaded uh, system. So instead of having shims drop in place, you're turning a uh, uh, a threaded uh, piece of equipment inside that that housing.
2: Well, actually, it just kind of dawned on me. You probably need to be uh, pretty well versed in how to install uh, the locker, uh, at least well enough where you can talk somebody through it over the phone.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is one of the unique things about uh, that technical department that we have at ARB is those guys um do this stuff for a living. Uh, they do the test fits. They 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 wheel um, themselves personally. Many of them had ARBs even before working uh, for the company, uh, and they, uh, you know, no matter who calls up, you know, some guys know a little bit more about Toyotas than Jeeps because that's what they grew up wheeling, um, and so there's some you know specialization in that aspect. But but for the most part, the guys down there in that department uh, can answer any question about any axle. And if they don't know it off the top of their head, they have the resources to find out within a couple hours and get back to any customers that that have uh, any questions that, that need to be uh, addressed.
2: Well, that's great. Now, both mm-hmm. earlier I was going to mention that you uh, were a, uh, previously you were a Jeep Cherokee owner.
3: I was. Uh, that was, uh, uh, I'd like to say my it was my second vehicle, uh, my second four-wheel drive vehicle that I uh, ever owned. Uh, it's the one that I put the most trail miles on. Uh, and uh, had to unfortunately uh, pass it along to some other uh, lucky owner out here in the Seattle area when I uh, moved out of the state uh, a couple of years ago.
2: Now, uh, I, I always I always tell people on Facebook or Twitter, they'll say, uh, and even on uh, XJTalk.com, our, our forum, they'll say, well, I've, I've got to sell my, my beloved Cherokee, and I, I mm-hmm. always tell them, you're gonna be sorry. You're gonna yeah. wish you kept it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's 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 part of the process of of making that vehicle your own. Um, when you have a Cherokee and you have such an easily modifiable platform with so many different accessories available for it, uh, your personal taste goes into it, and uh, it's hard to to replicate that later on down the line when you when you eventually end up with another one. Um, it's never quite going to be the exact same as, as the, you know, you know, for me personally, the, the sweat and the, the actual physical blood that went into the work and the process of installing the parts, fabrication, um, you know, and then the enjoyment of being out on the trails in that particular vehicle, uh, are, are kind of lost when you pass it along to somebody else. Uh, and it definitely is a, a hard thing for a lot of folks to go through.
2: And my fear is that they're they're never going to treat it as well as what what I treated it. exactly.
3: <laughs> Absolutely, it's Absolutely. almost like a loved one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always kind of scary seeing it drive away uh, without you inside of it for the first time, uh, knowing that it's going to go to someone else's garage and and you can't hand you know you have no idea what's going to happen to it later on down the road.
2: Exactly. So anyway, my my point that I'm getting to on this is, um, is uh, did you have a a, a Dana 35 uh Chrysler 8.25 or did you have something else in there that you swapped in?
3: It, uh, it, it started out in my possession as a, a bear stock, uh, 96 Cherokee with the Dana 30, uh, up front and the 35 in the rear, um, got lockers for, for both ends uh, with those two axles. And then, uh, just around the time that I had to sell it, I actually, uh, was able to procure a, uh, Cherokee Dana 44, is um, and was uh, it was awaiting a transplant at the time that uh, that it was sold.
2: Oh no! Yeah, Gosh, yeah. that was have a Dana 44. <laughs> the only thing better would be to have a front Dana 44 to go along with that.
3: Right, exactly, exactly. But uh, the 35 held up well. You know, out here in in um, in Washington, the wheeling is is mostly muddy more than anything else. Uh, so as long as you're gentle on it, and uh, you don't really ever have to worry about. Uh, those C clips, uh, if you don't abuse the axle too much, but there is something to be said about that peace of mind of of the Dana forty four. Um, you know, I know that uh, my other one of my good buddies that I wheeled with has a Comanche with an eight and a quarter in the back, uh, and uh, I did enjoy how easy it is to set up uh, that axle compared to uh, the thirty five or the forty four.
2: Yeah, you have to have a a long shaft that fits in that little. I forget Mm -hmm. what they call it—the preload (laughs) things—but once you have that, it's it's really neat because you just screw the thing in. There's no shims.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. That's kind of the the it's the weird uh, in between between what I was talking about earlier with the the shims of the the most Dana style axles and then the adjuster nuts of the Toyota. Um, You just have to have you know. Luckily enough, working at ARB, I had access to one of those uh, long. uh, install tools with a, a bolt welded on the end of it that worked just absolutely fantastic.
2: Yep. Now, what I was getting at is, and I guess we'll have, we'll have to we'll have to go back to your technical experience to answer the, <laughs> to answer this question since you didn't have one. But mm-hmm. um, there's this back and forth that we have about Jeeps, and you've probably experienced it during the days when you had yours between the Dana forty four and the Chrysler eight point two five, the the ninety seven plus or the twenty nine spline and uh i mean i think that the 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 44 is a 31 spline mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. strength wise my understanding is other than um having the uh, the pumpkin rotate on you possibly mm-hmm. uh they're really basically the same axles in other words uh if you want to take a a, a chrysler 8.25 and 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 put a $1000 arb air locker in it it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing to do i mean
3: no absolutely not uh,
2: i mean I mean, I, I, I'm asking somebody that put a, a thousand dollar locker in a Dana 35. So,
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that might, might not, maybe, maybe not be the best <laughs> qualification.
3: Right. right. Well, um, from a technical standpoint, you know, uh, the air locker itself is designed to be the strongest aspect of, uh, of your axles. So, um, really what you're comparing is the axle, the axle shaft strength itself, and and the repercussions of, of that breaking point. Um, you know, like we said, the installs are, are are slightly different between the 44 uh, and the eight and a quarter. Um, the eight and a quarter is, is E I would say easier to find, uh, than the 44. So there's at that aspect leaning its direction. Um, the, idea of, of of the arb itself is that you know worst case scenario if you get your vehicle in a situation and, and everybody's worried about you know what happens when you something breaks right uh, and that's the big that that's the differential between that 27 or 29 spline eight and a quarter and uh, the dana 44 31 spline um is that okay the 31 spline technically has a higher braking point um because it's a slightly uh i'd have to get my a little bit fuzzy on the actual shaft diameter, uh, but I do believe it has a higher point uh, strength point. But worst case is you just carry a spare shaft with you, honestly, because your 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 lockers gonna gonna outlive your axle shafts um, pretty much no matter what.
2: Yeah, uh, we I think everybody understands how well the uh, the a- ARB lockers are, are mm-hmm. constructed. If they haven't watched any of the the YouTube videos where they're. <laughs> Where they put the chrome molly shafts and and twist and twist and twist until the, till the chrome molly sh- uh, shaft goes 180 degrees and breaks. So uh-huh. it's very yeah. very impressive.
3: Yeah, go go search on YouTube for that. Um, that was definitely a very interesting experience, especially with checking the difference between our our competitors and, and the true genuine air locker itself.
2: Right. Now the so you've you've already covered the uh, there's really no reason why you shouldn't put a, 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 a an air locker in a Chrysler 8.25. Mm-hmm. What about using uh, a air source other than the ARB air compressor? Now I, I'm sure as an ARB employee that would be your personal <laughs> preference. But but yeah. for example, I have a, a a a via air tank that I'm going to install on mine. And I would like to have uh, a compressor that has a, a bit more volume so I can um, air up that, that large tank and use it to air up uh, the tires after having them aired down. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, I'm afraid, you know, I'm spending you know, $250 for this air compressor with a larger volume. I got to mm-hmm. spend another $250 or $270 for an ARB uh, uh, compressor to run the locker or hopefully in the future lockers. Mm-hmm. It would be, in my mind, just simpler to run uh, that off of the the same air tank.
3: Well, it's something that we come across quite often. Um, you know, those those high pressure tanks are are out there. Um, they're really they're really they really are nice to use. Uh, air B has you know we're, we're we don't build tanks like that, but we build our onboard air systems, so you don't have to take take it to the welding shop after you know a couple wheeling trips and have it refilled or anything along those lines. Uh, the CKMA12, which is what the 12 volt compressor that we have, the middle um, is powerful enough to fill up tires and is designed to run uh, the air lockers. So basically uh, the lockers operate off of uh, independent solenoids that need to be mounted uh, on an air source. So if you did have an, a, Non-ARB air source, you could create a manifold to install those solenoids. Uh, given that you have uh, quick enough air pressure and and uh, and that on that uh, manifold built into something, you could pretty much uh, run whatever you want to. You know, the air locker doesn't mind as long as it it's it's air at a high enough pressure being delivered down the airline. Um, I would have to say though that that I can't. I, I'd be remiss to to not mention. Uh, the new ARB twin compressor that we have uh, that um, flows about eight cfm, uh, which is is uh, more than enough to operate uh, air tools. It fills up 35 inch tires in a snap. Uh, it's kind of designed uh, to be a direct competitor with those onboard air tanks that 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 you were just talking about. Uh, it's a little bit smaller, it's more compact, and it doesn't ever have to be refilled. It's it's there at the push of a button. Uh, whenever you want um, and a lot of guys are running that system in conjunction with a small one gallon tank to give them a, a high pressure buffer uh, and then with those two things coupled together uh, you could sit there on the trail and, and take uh, as many wheels and tires off of vehicles as you would want to uh, you know uh, all day long
2: okay yeah uh, the, the the high pressure tanks are are, are very popular uh, what mm-hmm. i was actually talking about was like a two gallon via air tank that uh, uh- and, okay. and a via air compressor to to run uh to the tank and then also uh run the uh the lockers off of the uh, the air tank. But that's mm-hmm. interesting. I didn't realize that uh, ARB had a uh, a larger compressor available now. Mm-hmm. So I'll certainly look into that. But but the the reason why I was asking was I thought I had read someplace that uh ARB recommends their air compressor because there was a um I can't remember if it was like if you if you run too high of a pressure, you can cause a problem with with the locker, with the ARB locker.
3: Oh no! It's uh, it's actually very hard to harm the the locker itself. Uh, the the units the the differential locking unit uh, and the airline itself can take upwards of six hundred psi, uh, which is more than than any air compressor is really going to be able to build sure. um, your your weak link most of the time ends up being actually the the solenoid itself uh, starts to develop a, it can it can develop a, a relatively slow leak when it's faced you know trying to hold back uh, anything over 200 250 psi um, and even then it's hardly noticeable so that's kind of where where the rating system comes in uh, we 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 recommend that no matter what whatever air source you're using uh the air locker um you know itself operates best around 150 psi 100 to 150 psi uh it's not gonna it's not gonna know the difference between anything from there to 600 uh there's at that point you're you're um not gaining any benefits
2: oh that's great to know that that takes Mm -hmm. away my concerns then I'll still have a look at that uh, that ARB compressor because it would still be nice to have uh, uh, something. You know, I'll compare that with the one I was that I've been looking at. And mm-hmm. uh, but uh, just to the the <laughs> I'll just throw this in. People that that know me and listen to this show, they already know the the main emphasis for the air tank was to run the air horn. Uh. So so when I'm in the fast lane and those people are driving the speed <laughs> limit with their cell phones. <laughs>
3: Absolutely no, I totally understand. And, I can uh, encourage you know, them. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, one of the so yeah, the ARB compressors, the CKMA12, which is what we would recommend for for pretty much anybody, um, has the ability to build up uh, pressure to an auxiliary tank, uh, no problem, and it has the the necessary uh, mounting holes for the solenoids built into it. Um, so you could have a one stop shop. Uh, I also uh, have to give a little plug right now for for the rest of this month. Um, if you buy an air locker, you get a free compressor. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, that that might be uh, if anybody's out there looking now would be a good time if you buy two compress if you buy two lockers, you get a free CKMA12 that uh, that high output that I was just talking about.
2: Now, where would they have to go to to get this deal? Would it be any of the vendors? Or? Any
3: of yeah, any of the vendors here in the U.S. Uh, you just uh, if, if they are unaware, which they should be aware of the the promo right now. If they're unaware, just mention to it, mention them, uh, mention it to them, and and if you have to, show them our website. It's right there on the homepage.
2: Excellent. That's great. That's great to know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so um, let me just uh, collect my thoughts again. I but I got all excited about the the free air compressor. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, so I guess the, the the next major thing that people think of when they think of ARB is uh, probably the snorkel mm mm-hmm. now, uh, I know that there's a lot of uh um, Chinese knockoffs where they they come out with something that looks exactly like the 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 ARB product. I'm sure I haven't seen anything on YouTube where you guys uh, actually compare the two things together, but certainly that's this that had to have been some sort of discussion internally.
3: Yeah, there we are aware of uh, those knockoffs coming out. Um, there we didn't do necessarily a video, but there there are a couple of press releases uh, floating around out there uh, about the differences and how to tell the difference between a true uh, s- Safari snorkel and, and those Chinese knockoffs. Uh, the biggest concern is is actually the plastic that it's made out of. Um, they're the, the knockoffs are not a uv stable material uh something that will become um brittle and, and fade and, and uh break fairly quickly simply from being exposed you know long exposure to the sun
2: interesting so the i haven't priced the snorkel in a while um but uh, i think they're up around 400 maybe for something mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. arb and then the the Chinese knockoffs generally run around 110 after after you pay the 80 shipping. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it, so they, it initially looks like a deal until you get it and you have to replace it after uh, after two years.
2: Yeah, so basically what you're saying is is that uh, since they they don't handle the sun, they'll get uh, they'll definitely fade, which doesn't look very nice, mm-hmm. and they get brittle <laughs> and, and break. Mm-hmm. Which Absolutely. actually brings me brings me to another point, which uh, a lot of people complain about uh, on the the bushwhacker flares about you know they call them bushcrackers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how do the how do the the ARB uh, Safari snorkels hold up to off road you know trees and whatnot? I mean, are they made of a plastic that they're fairly resi- resilient? They'll take yeah. those those bumps
3: absolutely and that's kind of the the beauty of it as well as it you know it might not seem you know at initial glance you know the importance of what material it's made out of but you're exactly right it has to be something that's stable and has to be something that is strong but yet has a, a certain elasticity to it so if you do bump into a tree or lean against something uh, it's not going to just snap or put a hole in it or anything along those lines um, you know i've seen uh, from working in the tech department, I, I've seen uh, multiple uh, photos from people who have, you know, rolled their rigs and, and uh, ended up only, you know, the emails coming to us simply because they need uh, that uh, top head of the snorkel uh, to be replaced, but the entire body is 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 fine. Uh, even though the majority of the vehicle's weight landed on that, you know, very top portion, it just bent it or or uh, or, or or broke the the very top section. Um, and they're able to to either transfer it to another vehicle uh, or uh, just plop a, a new head on it and uh, be back on the road just fine.
2: Wow, that's great to know. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the oh, I remember what I was going to ask you earlier. It was about the air compressor, about mm-hmm. mounting locations. Mm-hmm. Whenever you mount the air compressor, uh, do you guys recommend, does ARB recommend a, uh, a place to mount the air compressor? Uh,
3: not really. Uh, the beauty of it is the fact that it's a, a fairly compact unit that uh, is able to be put in, in multiple different locations based on anyone's particular need. Uh, there is a They're, they're low head submergible, uh, so they are incredibly happy living underneath your hood Um, they're relatively they're not not incredibly loud so they're able to to live inside the cab as well Uh, we've even had multiple people who have mounted them physically to the uh, frame rails of of trucks or or, uh, vehicles that have frames uh sorry uh, unibody cherokees uh (laughs) but uh they're able to, to live down underneath the vehicle and have the uh air inlet remotely uh located kind of in a very uh simple snorkel fashion as well the uh, the air filter that we have and then the inlet uh are both threaded so you can just run a a small little uh uh hose between the two of them and have the the air intake actually be inside the vehicle and have the compressor live outside
2: well that's that's beautiful that's exactly where Mm -hmm. i was going with this because they're uh, even though the, the, the Cherokee is uh, like a you know, big grocery getter, they're still hard, it's kind of hard finding places to put things. And mm-hmm. under, under the hood can be a little cramped as well. So mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about mounting mine up underneath where the tank was going to be, and I was concerned about going through water, not so much mud, but water. So hearing that you can remote the, uh, the, the air intake on that is, mm-hmm. is very helpful.
3: Yeah, uh, and I'll give you another little secret. Mine personally, uh, I mounted mine in the uh, the small space underneath the rear seat. Uh, so on the that one side, you have your your jack and and tool location. Uh, I put mine on the the direct opposite side, uh, kind of laying flat, uh, so um, it was uh, contained out of the way and, and muffled underneath the seat, uh, so you barely even noticed
2: it. Did you ever scare any of your passengers? <laughs>
3: no, no, it uh, uh never had that opportunity normally uh, uh anybody who was riding with me was up in the front.
2: Gotcha <laughs> that would be but yeah, you
3: could that, you could definitely startle some people uh fairly easily <laughs> by doing that.
2: <laughs> I could see you taking your uh, your mom's a place and that thing going off did you yeah. uh how did you control that? Was it a, an automatic thing or did you run a switch up to the dash or?
3: yeah, so the compressors themselves come with a a, a fully uh, built wiring harness that allows you to uh, hook into a power lead. Uh, there's a long enough cord to go to the to the battery in most situations, and then uh, a separate harness that leads off of that that's designed to be integrated into your dashboard. Um, there's uh, three switches, three pigtails uh, for three separate switches built in. Uh, so you have one for your compressor and then two switches for your front and rear air lockers. Uh, so the design is, is there so when you, as soon as you hit the trail or when you need the air to, to fill up your tires you just hit the switch and turn the compressor on. Uh, the compressor has a pressure switch installed on it as part of the package so that uh, it builds up pressure to uh, the desired PSI and then turns itself off while holding that PSI in the tank so it's not running consistently and it's there with uh, an air source on demand as soon as you need it you hit the switch for the locker and boom the solenoid releases the, the the air pressure down the line and engages the locker itself.
2: So let me ask you this, what is the most common failure for the for the locker? I would, I would assume it would be ripping the airline off.
3: Uh, well, the, the most common failure, uh, actually, uh, isn't really a failure of the locker, but, uh, when, uh, a ring and pinion, uh, break, uh, the the material that, that gets run around in your differential can sometimes, uh, mar the surface or, or, you know, it's mostly a situation. Well, probably most common is on the Dana 35, where you have the C clip window, where if you get a tooth into those gears, uh, kind of chews itself up. Um, but, uh, the airline, the airline doesn't really, uh, uh, have too many issues as long as it's, you got to take some time to route it properly up and out of the way of your control arms. And then away from heat, heat sources, like your manifold, uh, if it's in the right place, uh, you're really never going to have a problem with it.
2: Uh, do you have any recommendations as far as maybe running that through some, uh, air to, uh, air hose to be a protector?
3: Uh yeah you can I've I've heard from many people who have who have you know fed that through a rubber line or something along that um uh it's not necessarily required uh personally my preference is to have something that's easily serviceable uh so if you have something that is is buried in another tube and and something does happen it's going to be hard for you to find out where um you know, where it got separated or where it got melted or, or something like that and have to to splice the things together. Yeah, uh, we do have our own um, uh, product uh, that's uh, an air splice uh, junction. Um, so if you guys are looking for that sort of stuff, the product number is a, it's an ASK-001. It's an air service kit. Uh, it comes with a small section of blue hose and uh, several uh, two-way connectors. So if you did route something too close to a heat source, uh, and it melts, or if you break it, uh, if you get like a, a, a stick jammed underneath your vehicle, um, and it does grab something, you can quickly and easily just uh, snip it and and put the two ends in the connector itself, and be be uh, be ready for the trail um, from there from there on.
2: Well, that's one of the one of the reasons why I like the, the ARB over uh, some of the others that are like cable controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you uh, you break an airline or you pop an airline, your worst case is is that your your lockers is now disengaged. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a cable, if you if you pull a cable or you get something twisted up, it's it's going to be engaged, and right. I, I guess it really just depends uh, on yeah. your situation. But I would think yeah. I would think unlocked would be the preferable way for driving home.
3: <laughs> exactly that that's uh, a much safer uh, default uh, stage uh, of a differential. Um, that way. Uh, you can yeah still make those turns, uh, on your way home. You're not going to damage any steering components or your tires or, or anything along those lines.
2: So I guess uh, on your installation, you just used the, uh, the ARB airlines and you routed it mm-hmm. properly, and you never had any issues.
3: No, never, never. Um, and, uh, if anybody, anybody who's wheeled up here in the Northwest know that, uh, uh, stick debris is fairly common out there on the trails. Um, uh, so, uh, my best suggestion is to, to route it, um, route it away from the heat sources and then zip tie it to as many places as you can. So, so nothing can, uh, can grab it.
2: Yeah. Makes sense. Well, it'll be a learning experience. Uh, uh as I mentioned and our audience knows, I, I have a, an ARB, uh, air locker for eight and a quarter that I'm uh, anxious to, uh, install and try out. And hopefully mm-hmm. one of these days I'll have one for the, uh, for the front, uh, as well. Um, that will be a, uh, uh, I can't tell you how disappointed I was whenever I first started building up uh, my 98 uh, to find out that I really had a, a one-wheel drive. And mm-hmm. uh, when I put it in four-by-four, four, I had a two-wheel drive. <laughs>
3: right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely uh, uh, a a uh, learning experience when you when you start getting out there on the trail is that uh, even though uh, the truck says four-by-four, four, it doesn't necessarily mean you get four-wheel drive. Um you know, your your power is going to go to the easiest uh, easiest way out of the system. And that's going to be your, you know, your one tire in the air or your tire down in the mud hole. Uh, and without a, a locker, uh, you're not going to get that even distribution of power to both wheels.
2: Yeah, I like to say that uh, your Jeep won't get any better uh, if it has two lockers, front and rear. It's not going to get any better unless it learns how to walk or fly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's Absolutely. that's the way they should have came from the factory. But at least, mm-hmm. at least we have some aftermarket uh, companies like ARB mm-hmm. making products that we can uh, improve upon it. And and mm-hmm. really, and really, after all, isn't that the cool factor of the of really any any off road vehicle is having your vehicle be able to do something that somebody else's can't?
3: Exactly, exactly. And it's a reflection of you and, and your taste as well.
2: Well, now those are the most the two most common products that I think of uh, from ARB. Other guests. Other than maybe the bumper, um, I had uh, really had big designs on uh, the ARB uh, bull bumper, and mm-hmm. uh, as I learned more about being off road and approach angles and stuff, I uh, I learned that, that perhaps that's a bit thick uh, of a bumper, or thicker than what I what I would want. And uh, I, I like the uh, I, I make the joke about uh, ramming speed, and that bumper still certainly goes along with that ramming speed type thing. But uh, you, before we started recording, you had mentioned that uh, at least on the JK, you guys have more of a uh, uh, a bumper that's more for the the rock crawling approach angle type people.
3: Yeah, we uh, have a, a new design for what we call the the JK stubby bumper. Um, it's uh, pretty much as narrow as the frame rails are uh, on that truck. Um, still give you still gives you a hoop a protection hoop over the the front grille. Uh, but, uh, along with the style of uh, a lot of the JKs, uh, nowadays, you know, having, having the, the fully open, uh, approach angle for, for the tires, uh, is there, um, you know, the, you know, I had, uh, with my 96 Cherokee, I had an ARB bumper on there as well. Uh, and I gotta say, I was, I never ran into a situation where, uh, approach angle was, was really an issue, uh, with, with 33 inch tires on it and, and that bumper, um, it was hard to get into a situation where I couldn't get up and onto, uh, an obstacle, uh, really. And, uh, that lower lip, even if you, you, you did end up hitting something like a really large boulder that you were trying to get up and over, uh, the bumper can take it. It's, it's, uh, it's designed to be, uh, resilient in those cases.
2: I would say, did you have a, a winch installed on yours? Mm-hmm, I did. Did you have any problems getting it installed? No, no. Uh, the, Uh,
3: the way that we mount or we design the bumpers uh, to accept winches is a a unique style called feet first Um, it's a uh, directly um, pulled from most military applications so if you think about it your um, direct pulling power is coming in line with the winch itself so uh, the pressure of the pull is is um, not in a shearing direction against any bolts but is working with how the the winch is mounted Uh, so it's essentially pulling against itself uh, and not trying to pull bolts out uh, like it would be in a a vertical situation Uh, most winches uh, all you have to do is uh, what's called clocking the motor Uh, so it's undoing the the bolts around the outside edge uh, and then you just simply twist the cap Put them back in uh, in the right direction uh, and that's all it takes to essentially rotate the the motor itself to that feet forward design
2: i see i think i see what you're saying where you you're you're the the direction you're pulling is pulling it pulling the winch up against the bolts instead of exactly instead of uh, at a right angle or uh directly mm-hmm. away i got exactly you. that makes exactly. sense i never even thought about that before I, mm-hmm. i've never looked at the installation of the winch on the uh on the arv bumper i've just heard uh, horror stories about my winch <laughs> won't fit.
3: <laughs> right, right. Well, we uh, we try to alleviate those problems by having uh, uh, in the application guide uh, with, with where you're looking at your you know what's available for your vehicle. Uh, we have uh, a listing right there of the uh, winch sizes that that will fit uh, in those bumpers, uh, and we design all of them uh, basically around the Warren uh, American, you know, the 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 great company out there uh, out of Oregon, uh, the Warren winches. Um, and so, if you're looking at, you know, if it lists a 8,000 pound winch or a 9,000 pound winch, uh, a lot of the the uh, let's say other brand winches uh, follow the uh, design standards and sizing standards that Warren has established. So you can can kind of cross compare that way.
2: Great. So um, now I don't know if in in your new position that you'll be dealing with the public like you were in the past
3: uh it's uh it's a little bit i'm a little bit removed um you know we're we're uh i'm still uh, in charge of uh, now i'm i'm basically managing our media and our public relations uh, aspects of things so uh, i am dealing with the public with when it comes to events and uh our presence there at those events and, and things along those lines and uh and uh, i'm still i'm still fielding some calls for for you know especially for some cherokee applications and uh uh, for my current, uh, Toyota vehicle that I have where, where I I might know a little bit more about, uh, some situations than other people do.
2: Are you uh, locked front and rear on the Toyota? Uh,
3: no, not yet. I actually, uh, this is a fairly new vehicle to me and it has the, the factory, uh, e-locker, uh, in the rear axle, which has served me well for the last, uh, two seasons out on the trail in Colorado. Uh, but, uh, Looking, looking at uh, getting a locker for an ARB locker for both ends myself. Uh, when uh, I finally get some time to spend in the garage.
2: Yeah. Now, the reason why I asked, it as far as uh, if you'll be dealing with the public or not, one of the one of the things we do, and I guess all the podcasts do, is uh, ask how can people reach you. Now, oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, if you have, uh, I mean, I don't know if you personally want to be reached, or you can just <laughs> uh, tell us how to how to find uh, ARB.
3: Yeah, if you uh, if you want to get in touch with ARB, uh, our website is arbusa.com. Uh, if you have uh, any technical questions, uh, by all means, uh, you can you can give us a call. Uh, our technical department is is there uh, all day out here, and uh, you can you can email them uh, through tech at arbusa.com uh, as well. And uh, if uh, there's anything specific that anybody has any questions uh, for me about, feel free just to give us a call uh, using our uh, 800 number that's on our website, and you can just simply ask for me and uh, they'll transfer you over.
2: How are you guys about pre-sales calls?
3: Uh, pretty good. We definitely, uh, you know, the ARB product lines that we sell um, are, are unique, and we know that a lot of people have questions, uh, especially before... Uh, pulling the trigger on that big purchase, so we definitely want to, to answer any questions that anyone has before they make that decision. If they're feeling um, like they want an ARB, uh, you know, even if it's our suspension, our snorkels, or our lockers, if there's anything that we sell that they want and they're feeling hesitant because they heard something, they read something on the internet, uh, you know, you can't always believe that sort of stuff. Uh, so come, come find out directly from us. We're more than happy to talk to anybody. Uh, and uh, make sure that they're feeling comfortable with with our products uh, before they make that uh, big commitment.
2: Well, getting that big hunk of iron uh, from uh, uh, in the mail from uh, my my great eBay purchase, I can tell that it's <laughs> at least the stuff that it's made out of is is really beefy. So, and I've always oh, yeah. I've always heard great things about the ARB air lockers, and that's why I chose to to go that direction on my uh, on my rig. I, I just happened to get really lucky at getting this uh, this locker. So.
3: Absolutely, well, absolutely. That,
2: well, that's great, man. We really appreciate your time. Uh, great interview and uh, a lot of great information. I had no idea that you were in the technical uh, department prior to rejoining the company, and mm-hmm. it, it really shows.
3: Uh, yeah, I uh, I learned a lot. It's uh, one of those situations where um, there there's a lot of knowledge out there to be gained about all the different vehicles that we have here, and uh, I was happy to to soak it up uh, as quickly as possible and. Uh, we had some, some great folks who uh, were good teachers as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm really passionate about the product. I hope that comes across and, uh, it's, a, a, a we want to get people into the product line. Um, and, and so being knowledgeable about all the situations that they could run across, um, is what we need to do to make that happen.
2: Well, now I don't want to jinx you, but before you start putting uh, ARB lockers in that, uh, that Yoda, you, you know, they, they don't make the Cherokees anymore, but you can still buy them.
3: I understand. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm very well aware of that. Uh, as, uh, there, there's a, a very, uh, uh, big line in the sand within the office, uh, between people on the Jeep side and people on the Toyota side. And, and uh, I'm in an unusual position of, of, uh, having to straddle that line. And, uh, I keep hearing that, that those Cherokees are out there and, I might even be able to find, uh, find my old Cherokee. Some folks have seen it driving around town, uh, over the last couple of years. So. Oh, well, that's great
2: news. It's still a one piece. It didn't go <laughs> yeah. cash, uh, cash for clunkers or anything. That's yeah, good. That's no, great. Absolutely. Baby, absolutely. baby's still alive. That's great. <laughs> well, Matt, thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure we're going to have more information. Uh, we're going to need to pick your brain in the future maybe we can get you to come back, uh, in the next few months.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Anytime uh, anything comes up, feel free to to let me know. Uh, more than happy to to come on and and uh, talk about the company, talk about Northwest Trails, talk about anything uh, anything that we
2: can do. Excellent. Thank you very much, and a great interview.
3: I Appreciate it, sir.
2: Well, I really enjoyed that interview with uh, Matt Glass of uh, ARB, and uh, gosh, Tim, uh, wonderful, wonderful having uh, a, a vendor. Uh, like Brown Dog uh, Off-Road, uh, come in and uh, help us out with the Jeep tips. Just another example of a vendor that's more interested in uh, getting the information out that he has than uh, necessarily selling his product. And, uh, you know, again, Tim reached out to me for that that Jeep tip, not the other way around. So that's that's great.
0: Yeah, really excited to have Tim on board doing the Jeep Tips now. And another great interview, Tony, with Matt Glass from ARB. That was that was really cool. Matt, sorry about, uh, about the Cherokee and then having to see that going down the road and knowing that somebody else would get a chance of loving it right now. But folks, if you've got uh, if you've got a Jeep tip that you'd like to share with us, make sure you give that phone number a call, 530-675-4102. Got to give a big thank you to John, pre-runner1982, for uh, the first of today's three This Week in Jeep segment, or, uh, subjects and folks if you'd like to go ahead and send me a tip uh, or a news tip that is uh, make sure you send that out to news tips at xjtalk.com
2: i got to see you getting fingertips in the mail <laughs> from the mafios that, you know the, <laughs> the hit men that listen to the show <laughs> Josh wants a tip let's give him a tip <laughs> All right. it could be worse No horse heads, please (laughs) I think we have a no-tip policy on XJTalk.com, don't we? Oh, I'm sorry, that's no nip
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, well, look, I really appreciate it Uh, Also, big shout out to the chat room uh, The online uh, group that gets here and watches the live portion of the show every week Uh, I think we had a total of about uh, 6 or 7 people on today Which, uh, I think last week we had around 8 But uh, it doesn't matter, Uh, we're here during the live show, if you guys are interested, come to uh, Ustream.tv uh, slash channel slash XJTalk and uh, join in on the fun. Tell your friends. Yep, yep. So until next week, and uh, gosh, I guess that'll be episode 78. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got a little excited last week when it was episode 76, and I'm like, you know, coming up to 100. And then just the other day, I thought about it and said, well, that's 25, 24 weeks from now. Anyway, it's coming, guys. 100 shows.
1: Be sure to friend XJ Talk on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and add us to your circles on Google Plus. Join the XJtalk.com community and check out our sister site, Wranglertalk.com. You already know about XJ Talk on Facebook, Twitter, and Google. But did you know we're on YouTube as well? We have off and on-road adventures. How-to's for fixing or augmenting your Jeep. Besides, man cannot live by sound alone, right? Come see what we got at youtube.com user slash xjtalk. Don't forget to subscribe and make comments on our videos. The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating.